From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. A particular type of stroke is becoming more prevalent, and today I'm talking about this with Dr. Oliver Otite. He's an assistant professor of neurology at Upstate who also specializes in neurocritical care, and he's a member of the stroke team. Welcome to HealthLink on Air, Dr. Otite. Thanks for having me, Ms. Smith. Now, the stroke we're going to talk about is called cerebral venous thrombosis, or CVT. Can you explain what that is? Yes. Cerebral venous sinus thrombosis, or CVT, is a very rare form of stroke that um, is due to blockage of the veins that drain blood away from the brain. Um, when blood is not drained from the brain, you have backup of blood in the veins, like water flowing against the dam in, in that sense. And then um, what you have is that the pressure in the brain builds up. And as the pressure in the brain builds up and puts pressure on the veins, you could have spilling of the blood into the surrounding brain to cause a brain bleed. You could have damage to the brain to cause a stroke, or you could have um, the pressure in the brain in itself increasing to cause headaches and other symptoms of CVT. So can you help me understand the difference between a CVT and the traditional stroke? I, I thought all strokes had something to do with um, either a blood flow blockage or, or a vessel bursting. How does CVT differ? Okay, that's a very, very good question. So CVT, most forms of stroke usually occur in the arterial side of the circulation. What I mean is that um, arteries take blood from the heart and take it to the brain, while veins drain blood from the brain on their way back from the brain to the heart. So um, most strokes occur in the arterial side of the circulation as opposed to the venous side. CVT is due to blockage of the veins. Those veins can either rupture or it just backs up until the pressure builds up, like I said earlier. I but, see. Um, for arterial strokes, which could either be primary ischemic stroke, you have the blockage of the of the of the vessel or busting of the vessel. But in that case it's an artery as opposed to a vein. I see. The blood in these veins is on its way back to the heart. Yep. You said this is rare. What percent of strokes are uh, tied to CVT? Yeah, um, it, the estimates from various population-based studies are different, but it is believed that in the U.S. and in most developed countries that um, less than 1% of all strokes are CVTs. So a very, like you said, rare. Very, very small percentage, yeah. Now, you were involved in a study of hospital records from 2006 to 2016. Um, what did you look for and what did you find? Yes, um, we, um, studies evaluating um, CVT incidents in the U.S. have been very rare, especially over the last decade. Um, so we took the state inpatient databases of New York and Florida. That is the database that contains all hospitalizations in these two states. And then we looked for patients with um, CVT across the entire time period from 2006 to 2016. 
we identified those that um, were new cases, and we used we combined the new number of new cases with the population of the states in the various age groups to come up with um, the incidence of um, CBT in various race, age, and sex groups over time. And um, we actually had a, quite a few interesting findings. One of the major findings is that the overall incidence of CBT in New York and Florida um, ranged from 13 to 20 cases per million population. This is important because um, before now, um, the incidence of CVT in the US was assumed to be between two to five cases per million. And um, this is considerably, considerably higher than um, the reports from prior studies. And we also found that the incidence was as expected higher in young females and lowest in young males. But when we looked at the trend over time, we found that the incidence in all age groups of men and in all age groups of uh, in all age groups of men, what I mean by all age groups, that is those 18 to 44 years of age, those 45 to 64 years of age, and those greater than 65 years of age increase over time. But in women, the um, incidence in young women remained unchanged across the entire study period, while those in older age groups of women increased over time. We looked at differences in incidence of CVT by race, and we found that blacks had greater than 30% higher incidence of CVT after adjusting for age differences in age and differences in sex. And um, I would say these are some of the most important findings of, of our study. Now, I know you didn't get into this in your study, but what you as a practicing physician, do you have any idea what is making CVT more prevalent in, in some women? Yeah, so um, most of the higher incidence and prevalence of CVT in women is actually believed to be related to pregnancy and um, use of oral contraceptive pills. Um, okay. The last trimester of pregnancy and the first three months after pregnancy is a period where women are particularly vulnerable to CVT. And um, this is believed to be because of hormonal changes associated with pregnancy and um, that the blood also becomes more pro-thrombotic, that is more likely to form clots during this time period. Um, some form of oral contraceptive pills are also believed to increase the likelihood of blood clots formation. And um, this increased likelihood of blood clot formation is believed to also and be partly responsible for the increased incidence of CVT in women taking oral contraceptive pills. Is there a speculation about the reason for the increase in black people? Um, nobody knows why CVT incidence is more in blacks compared to whites. Actually, before our study, um, no, no study before now has looked at differences in incidence of CVT by race. Um, we believe that from our as a result of our study, future studies can now evaluate why this difference truly e exists. But some potential contributing factors may be that blacks have may have some somewhat of a um, genetic predisposition to form blood clots. Blacks 
generally have um, higher incidence of most clotting disorders, most like um, DVT, which is called deep venous thrombosis, pulmonary embolism, and um, even arterial ischemic stroke um, are much more prevalent in black patients. Some risk factors for CVT, um, such as systemic lupus erythematosus, sarcoidosis, and other inflammatory conditions are somewhat more prevalent, and not only more prevalent, also more severe in Blacks when compared to other races. Um, but honestly, race may also actually be like a reflection of the long-term systemic and um, socioeconomic disadvantage that Black patients may have been exposed to. And this may also be um, um, contributing to increased CVT incidence. Obesity, which when combined with um, oral contraceptive pill usage, um, also increases incidence of CVT or this known CVT risk factor. It is also much more prevalent in Blacks across the entire age spectrum. And um, so, but studies evaluating the role of access to healthcare, neighborhood factors, and other social economic uh, social determinants of health that separate across racial lines and possibly influence CBT risk have, have, have not truly been studied in great detail. This is Upstate's Health Link on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with neurologist Dr. Oliver Otite. He's been researching the growing prevalence of a particular type of stroke called CVT or cerebral venous thrombosis. So let's talk about the symptoms of CVT. How would a person recognize that this is happening to them? Yeah, this is um, a, a very important question. Traditionally, when we talk about stroke symptoms, we, especially to the public, we talk about fast ED, that is things like um, facial droop, arm weakness, speech disturbance or sensory disturbance, eye deviation, and then some form of um, denial of symptoms as some of the symptoms of a, of a, of a stroke. But in the case of CVT, um, a lot of the symptoms may actually be much more non-specific. And one of the most common symptoms of CVT actually is headache. And the headache, for the most part, maybe actually in some studies, presents in up to 90% of patients. The headache may come in gradually and then reach a peak within days. But it may also be sudden and sort of present like the most severe headache the patient has ever had and um, reaching peak intensity within minutes. The headache sometimes may, result, may resemble what you what may actually um, be similar to what you would consider a migraine type headache. What I mean by migraine type headache is that headache associated with some form of um, vomiting or um, headache associated with some form of visual changes. Other symptoms of CVT that are very much more common would include things like seizures. Seizures may be present in up to 40 to 50% of cases of CVT. And um, behavioral changes, confusion, sleepiness. Some of these symptoms may actually be related to increase in the pressure in the brain. Like I said earlier, as the blood backs up in the brain, the pressure in the brain can build up 
And as this pressure buildup, patients present with what we call signs of raised pressure in the brain. And um, so patients may become more sleepy, they may have double vision or, or classical symptoms like we talked about. That is weakness on one side and um, um, facial weakness, arm weakness, speech problems, and even language problems as well. So it sounds like what you're describing maybe comes on a little more gradual. I mean, we're always told that with stroke, you need to act quickly, but I'm imagining someone who has a history of migraines might have trouble differentiating at the beginning, at least, whether it's a migraine or a CVT stroke. So do you have any advice? Is this something where they need to get to the doctor quickly? Generally, for the headache, like I said, is the most common symptom. But for patients with migraine, we would say if you develop a new form of headache that is somewhat different from the usual typical headache you experience, you should not waste time before presenting to the to the hospital. Um, so if someone presents early with with CVT, the outcome is usually a much better as opposed to waiting and presenting much later. Because well, let me ask you, if I can, let me interrupt. How How is a CVT stroke treated? Okay, so uh, most patients in the acute period following a CVT are actually admitted to the hospital, okay? Um, if the symptoms are severe enough, they may be admitted into the intensive care unit or maybe into the stroke unit. The immediate treatment for most patients is a blood thinning medications, what we call anticoagulants. And the purpose of that is of the blood thinners is to prevent clots that are already in the brain from expanding and then um, preventing new clots from developing while we give the body's system weeks or months to work on dissolving the clots that are present in the brain already. So, but in um, a subgroup, a small group of patients who continue to have more clots even while on blood thinners, or patients that have more severe disease and are comatose, um, there's an opportunity to actually use what we call um, um, mechanical thrombectomy, where and vascular neurosurgeons um, in special in specialized centers like Upstate go in and they go and they go to the veins and actually try to take out the blood clots from the brain. Yeah, so the blood thinners patients um, for most patients we use this IV or intravenous heparin or Lovenox for a few few days to weeks. And then we transition them to oral anti anticoagulants. So the treatment for CVT is generally blood thinners, such as heparin or Levinox at first. And in more severe cases, endovascular surgeons can remove clots from the veins by a specialized procedure called a mechanical thrombectomy. CVT sounds like something that would be followed up for a while after a person recovers from this. Are they typically followed by a neurologist afterward? Most patients... After after the I started on these blood thinners, they it, it depends on on what kind of risk factor they have, such as infection or trauma. And such patients 
um, remain on the blood thinners for three to six months. If they have a strong clotting disorder, or if they have some inherited this clotting disorder, the tendency to have more clots is higher in this group of patients. So the recommendation is typically um, long-term or lifelong anticoagulation. In some patients in whom we don't do not know what the what the provoking factor is for the CVT, as this patient with unprovoked CVT, as opposed to the um, provoked CVT, then the recommendation is to treat for six to twelve months with anticoagulants. Now you mentioned risk factors being some of these inherited conditions, and we also talked about women in the last trimester of pregnancy and in the first three months after giving birth being at higher risk. Are there other risk factors in addition to those? Yeah, so um, certain infections, especially those involving the ear um, and the, no the ear, nose, and throat, and also those infect involving the coverings of the brain called the meninges. So patients with meningitis, patients with what we call mastoiditis or otitis, or even sinusitis, um, can have these infections spreading to the venous structures that drain blood from the brain and um, lead to clots forming in that system. Um, patients with certain form of um, um, hematological or blood problems may have increased um, risk of developing CBT, particularly in children, um, not so much in adults, but still a risk factor in adults to dehydration actually on its own, just dehydration, maybe is a risk factor for, for CVT. This yeah. has been very informative about cerebral venous thrombosis. I want to thank Dr. Oliver Otite. He's an assistant professor of neurology at Upstate who also specializes in neurocritical care, and he's a member of the stroke team. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.